Thanks for that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Pass us. All right, everybody. Eric Dim, the most complained cop, NYPD. This is your 265 Police Live series brought to you by the finest of Filton. Of course, with me is John McCarry, the founder and the co host of the podcast, retired lieutenant. We got a good one for you today. We're talking about the release of body cameras. Are the release of body cameras, should that be available and accessible to the public? Is that legal? Is that policy? What are your thoughts? Let's start with your job. What do you think? So, I mean, we, what were we told? We were told it's imperative that police have body-worn cameras. And why is that imperative? It's imperative to public safety for public transparency. So you could see what your police are doing, right? It'll, it'll ensure greater transparency with the public. It'll improve police and public relations. But what do we see now? We're seeing that body cameras throughout the country, throughout each individual department, each department has their own policy. There's no national policy on the release of body camera warrant video. There's no, there's no policy whatsoever. There's no requirement for a police department to release a body-worn camera video. Now, you could request body-worn camera video through a FOIL request, but they have the ability to deny it for whatever reason. Um, me personally, if we're talking transparency, I personally believe body-worn camera footage from the police should be readily accessible to the public. I believe that there are privacy issues in there. And because of that, I believe initially as body camera one video is released to the public and it should be released immediately as the police are viewing it the public should also view it there should be faces and identifying information blocked out as to not releasing private information or any or any identifiable voice information that could have came out through the camera through that through that footage and that could also all be done by ai artificial intelligence they have the actual technology to do it now but it's not being used it's being used completely improperly i agree with hands down i agree with everything you just said i, I believe that body camera footage should be released in real time the police department can view it simultaneously with the public yes obviously the police department is going to give their perspective and analysis based on a trained eye, based on the eye of law enforcement in comparison to a civilian viewing it. But that's the whole point. And it's the same thing. John, you've given uh, you've given perspective and analysis and analogies of sports related to law enforcement, right? We've been attacked and called podcast losers, and you've given the analogy that in sports, we have commentators in retirement, just as we do in law enforcement. So it's the same thing. In sports, when you watch a basketball game or you're watching a football game, in real time, we can see the footage. And then a, at some point, if there's, if there's a, a, a check on a play, the ref could view the same as the public and then give their perspective with a trained eye. And to me, that's the correlation. It's the same thing. The police can view something at the same time as the public, but now the police will give the trained eye perspective. Why is there an issue when body camera is released? It should be not an issue because it's not going to be edited. What it's going to be is analyzed and critiqued and 
given a perspective to the public why an incident unfolded in the manner it did and why the law why law enforcement acted properly or improperly. But you and I know with specific body camera footage in a specific incident why there is an issue. Let's start with that, John. Before before we get into a, the specific incident, I just want to hone in on two incidents about police body worn camera footage. One is is uh, is the George Floyd incident. <clears throat> George Floyd incident happened. We had the, uh, a video released immediately from a member of the public. For months, we didn't see the body worn camera. For months, they let it build up. They let this tension build up. They let tempers flare throughout the country. They let division be created. <clears throat> Excuse me. They let division be created through the public and through police by holding this body camera. Everyone in anticipation has seen it. And when we seen the body camera video, you're like, that's weird. Those cops actually didn't try to kill anybody. They weren't brutal. They weren't. They actually took him out of the car. He asked to be taken out of the car. He asked to have an ambulance call for him. They called an ambulance for him. And I think in under a minute when he from when he asked for it. Um, and so all of these things could have been alleviated. A lot of tension could have been alleviated right away if they would have just dropped the video out. Right now, I'm not saying the police department should put out a statement or needs to have investigated that prior to releasing it. What I'm saying is this is under investigation. We're not going to give a statement. We're not going to talk about it until investigation is complete. I understand that. You're not going to, there's going to be, there's going to be several factors other than just what transpired on that body camera that are going to get taken into play in part of that police investigation. But so we see that incident. And then the other uh, incident we saw was uh, down in Memphis, right? Where we had a, a body camera. We know that a, a person was murdered by five, I don't even want to call them police officers, but they were thugs. And we knew that that body camera was going to be released, but they released it almost like a movie trailer. They built it up to try to increase tensions. I don't know that they tried to increase tensions, but they certainly did. This is going to be worse than the Rodney King incident. This is going to be worse than the George Floyd incident. This body camera is going to be the worst body camera you've ever seen. And I just thought, I thought it was complete insanity. If this is for transparency release the body cameras immediately. Body cameras should be made available to the public immediately. I don't care what you guys or girls are thinking in law enforcement right now. Oh, then my CCRBs are going to go up. You're already wide open, guy. I don't know what you're thinking. You are wide open. There, This is the, the you are the, the most open. The only people who aren't open to transparency right now are your bosses, are your administration, are the administration, the brass. You're wide open, though. You took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was thinking. The same thing with CCRB. What do you worry about? At any point right now, your 50A is available. Everything that you do is on camera. And it can be accessed at any point anyway. From the Civilian Claim View Board, from New York City Council, from civil liability, your partisan lawsuit, some FOIL request. It doesn't make a difference. And I always say communication breaks barriers. Immediately. When there's an incident that that goes by or is is controversial, the, those body camera those body camera footage for that incident or, or any particular incident that is newsworthy should be released immediately, no matter how it plays out, whether it's bad or good. 
but communication brings barriers and it does de-escalate, which the politics, uh, the leftist legislation loves to use, de-escalation. It de-escalates any potential for any riots or any issues, any outbreaks, anyone getting upset, riled up by a police video. Again, you, you and I both wrote an article about the incident with Tyree Nichols in Memphis, and that, it was theatrics. It was theatrical, it was just complete political theatrics where they released it on a Friday night and they, they, they built it up and, and it was just, it just obvious, it was obvious to create chaos. Fortunately, it didn't happen in this particular situation, which we can talk about another time. But body camera footage should be released immediately. And I like what you said, I agree on that. Obviously, the police department's not going to give a full statement. It has to be analyzed and crit critiqued from a trained police eye and break it down and explain things from a police perspective and explain why something, when it comes to optics, it may not look so great, but it's actually appropriate. Because, as Brian would say, which is one thing I like that he says, right, it's, it's awful but lawful. And I agree with that. And that's what the video is. But not releasing it leaves the appearance of impropriety that, hey, maybe there's something going on here that's wrong. Maybe the police department's hiding something. Maybe they need to edit it. Release it immediately. Yeah, so, like, let's fast forward to what's going on right now. Modern day times, New York City, NYPD. Going to exercise a little First Amendment speech right here. So buckle your seatbelts up, get ready. So what happens is a body camera, worn camera video, which I put out on social media, I'd say about a week and a half ago. I, I, I titled it with a Jordan Peterson quote. Uh, the quote was, if you're incapable of using violence, that doesn't make you good. It's very, it's very hard to be good. It's it's not it's not easy to be good. Something along those lines, right? And so the body camera video showed a, a two police officers really just getting abused. It was really a non-incident. Uh, maybe it was an emotionally disturbed male. Maybe it was a person being arrested. I'm not really sure, but it was a grainy, grainy video. It was all over social media prior to me sharing it. It was sent out through numerous accounts on social media. Um, and apparently that body camera video was leaked out from the New York City Police Department and the police department saying that they didn't leak it out. They didn't they didn't officially release it. Somebody leaked it out. Um, and then we saw that two two cops, I believe they were both detectives, were immediately suspended. They were identified and suspended. Fast forward to today. Today is what's today's date. January 18th. This I put it out on January 7th. On January 7th, I reshared a video from social media. So just get that. Now I've received from several sources that hundreds of police officers are being interviewed by the Internal Affairs Bureau. And the one question is, how do you know John McCarry? And with printouts of my Instagram, are you familiar with this account? Et cetera, et cetera. Eric, what do you think about just with that basis alone, that this body camera was leaked out? I, along with numerous other social media accounts, including yourself, shared this video. <laughs> and and yet there's an investigation going on right now. How do you know John McCarthy? Well, obviously, it's complete diversion. This whole entire investigation, the manpower spent 
to investigate the the uh, the chain of events, the the uh, the chain of the text messages, or however this body camera footage got around to get to you or to me. For some reason, they have a fix on you in this particular case, and I think that's because you had put out you put this information out first, and it was a it was. Kudos to you. It was a great post. It was it was very attractive. If someone was scrolling through, they would want to look oh, at it. Really hooked you in. I did not put that information out first. That was on other social media accounts prior to me sharing. No, 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 no. I know. I, I meant first when it comes to this podcast between gotcha. me and you. You put it out first, which is which is why they're attracted to you know your name. Uh, no, obviously you didn't put it out first. This was all over social media. I, I don't mean that. Um. What's, but what's interesting about this, it's really hypocritical because I would say it's, you know, pretty much several days a week, we see body camera footage emerge with different types of footage where there's police-involved incidents, which I talk about all the time. I talk about the phenomenon of cops being assaulted. I put out videos about how you should be out there lifting weights through martial arts training as a reflective response to the videos I've seen where cops are being just humiliated, this phenomenon, I say it all the time, it's unfortunate. I do think a cop in the NYPD is going to get killed by the hands of another without a firearm and a physical altercation or a tussle. I hope I'm wrong, but the probability says no. But what's interesting is this constant video released, but this particular video they've honed in on. While simultaneously, you and I are being attacked day in and day out, on social media, we've been attacked by cops, ranking supervisors within the NYPD. There's every reason to believe there's a nexus to Cash Daughtry and John Shell with the higher echelon of the New York City Police Department week management. And they've been sent to attack us through social media, fake memes on Instagram. And now, not only have we been attacked on social media, I've actually been simultaneously, while this while this witch hunt of an investigation is going on to determine how you got video, which really what this comes down to is they don't want anyone to have a connection to the podcast to John and I, any, any members of the NYPD, they don't want to, they don't want them to have a friendship or any ties to myself and John, especially the podcast. Cass Daughtry said it himself, retired lieutenants from out of state. They have something to say about crime. At the same time, we're being attacked on social media. And now the other day, I was attacked on my personal cell. Same personality as the fake memes we received. Same conversations. How do I know? Because one of the fake memes I constantly get attacked by on Instagram, I was getting harassed. I decided to FaceTime that meme several times to see if they would pick up so I can learn the identity of that fake meme, who we know is confirmed a New York City Police Department cop. Because we went back on the page, and most, a good majority of the cops in the NYPD are on that page liking all the information. Everyone knows this person is a cop, and this person is attacking us. And yet, John and I have put the information out on a daily basis about the allegations of coercion, libel, harassment towards us, towards this podcast, towards us individually, towards us together as the podcast, including my personal self. And yet, the New York City Police Department never conducted an investigation, but they spent thousands, billions, I'm sorry, millions and billions of taxpayer dollars on this investigation and manpower and man hours. 
a complete distraction diversion from anarchists that are out shutting the shutting the New York New York City down on a daily basis. But this they spent their time on. John, it's just completely insane, ridiculous. I said to myself, I was shocked that they actually attacked my personal self. And you said, expect more. Absolutely. I mean, they're acting with I like thugs with with impunity. And I, and I don't blame them because, I mean, look, the, the weight of the police department is coming down to determine who is friendly with me. So, like Eric said, we share a lot of body camera video from all over, not just the NYPD, from all over states. Most of it we grab from social media. I mean, almost all of it we grab from social media. I don't believe that we've released anything that's confidential at all. At all. Except for this one video, which we had no recollection. We had no no to 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 know how it came, where it came. It's on the internet. We grab it, repost it. It's actually a different interview. It's actually a different video than what's actually out there on the internet and what's originally posted. I cropped it and blurred it because I didn't want any identifying information to go out, even though I already knew it was out. I still don't like to do that. I don't like to, to trash New York City police officers. And I've done that with all of them, even, even the, the dancing videos. I crop and blur them. Um, I've, I've put out some photos. I cut heads off. I, you know, I, I put heads off so people can't tell, they can't tell the identity of who it is. I block out shield numbers, stuff, stuff, things of that nature. Um, so this, this video is shared all over the internet. I reshare it. And now the, the, the investigation leaves out all those facts, leaves out all the other accounts that shared it. Now, I agree that there is a policy in place. And I was a police officer for 18 years, and I never violated any of that policy. You can go back on my record. And I wouldn't have violated this policy either. I don't believe that New York City police officers should take it upon themselves to break that policy if, if they believe the policy should be changed, something that should be fought in court. Unless, unless, however, they are doing so as a whistleblower. And I believe in this case where we're seeing a systemic problem with the training, with the inability to put hands on individuals when things get violent, I believe that this is a whistleblower case because I do believe that this video was released. To, this is what we're dealing with. This is the people we're going out there with. And they're unprepared. It's not the. It's not an attack on the individual. It's an attack on the institution and the training and, and what's coming down the pipeline and the newer recruits that are coming out. And they're, 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 they're not ready. The majority of New York City Police Department are not physically or mentally prepared to be on the streets at this point. And I think that's... So I, I think that as a whistleblower... It's a different thing. And I believe that those two individuals should get whistleblower status. I do. I do agree with the police department protecting their own. They don't want the, they don't want their information. They have to clean up their own house. So you identified how it originally leaked. But now you're going to waste thousands of man hours, millions of dollars. You interviewed 300 officers and you only asked about my account, which is very strange considering there were numerous other accounts that shared this. Now, if you're trying to identify all the ways it got out and you want to hammer everybody, I still say it's a waste of time and resources and manpower. I don't think the taxpayers would be too happy about it just due to the fact that New York City has been shut down every night. I believe, what are we going on, 98 days now, 97 days? Um, I We did get one little break with the weather. So you guys should have a big party on how you... Uh, controlled the protest that one night with the with the weather in new york city when it was minus 20 that was about the only day 
the New York City residents were in peace and they couldn't be on the streets anyway. But huge waste of resources, pigeonholing, again, in an attempt to intimidate not only myself and Eric Dim in the podcast, but anyone that talks to us, that knows us. And again, anyone that knows us or knows Eric Dim or knows myself, we've never reached out to one person that we know and been like, hey, could you look into this? Could you get us this? Could you do that? We've never put any of our friends into that situation. And again, if someone did send us something, we would never release the identity of that individual either because it's a confidential source. And in this case, complete witch hunt because no one sent us. No one sent this to us. So good luck with your investigation. And I have some stuff to tell you. So you guys have been monitoring our social media accounts. And and we've made numerous allegations of misconduct and corruption. You've been monitoring this podcast, transcripting this podcast. Where are those investigations? Why has nothing been done about that? Why has nobody contacted us about that? I think those are a much bigger problem than you trying to get how many people shared a a stupid video in a group text when 99% of them have no idea where it came from. You just get a text message to your phone. You're like, oh, hey, look at this. You send it to your friend, which happens every day every day. But what they're trying to do is access all your information. They want to see who shares our memes, who makes fun of Kaz Daughtry, who makes fun of John Shell, because they're weak, inept, and they're egotistical. And like I said, they're not leaders. Shame on New York City Police Department. I honestly, they should be stripped of their badges and their pensions. Losers. You and I spoke in depth about this. Obviously, we've been tagged attacked constantly on social media and even at this point yesterday i was attacked on my personal self right and you know what the funny part is here's the funny part for for you that contacted me on my personal self you thought you were contacted me at three in the morning trying to wake me up i'm in asia big guy it's 13 hours later so the joke's on you so you can call me at three in the morning for you good luck and you, you won't ever know the timeline that I'm on because I'm constantly traveling. And I was content on, on my personal self, the most vile, vile stuff. And you know what? I And I, I again, I'll say this publicly. I got contacted from that fake number from one of these cops hiding behind a fake meme. And I FaceTimed them immediately. I'm not hiding. I'm right here. John and I aren't hiding. You want to discuss what's going on? Listen. We don't take it personal, but you know what? Honestly, I feel sorry for you guys. I really do. Because right now, you're contacting John and I by social media. You're attacking us. You're attacking my personal self because of the loyalty you have right now for this weak appointed management. But when the regime eventually changes hands, because it always does, you're going to be abandoned and you're going to be left out to dry. And when this investigation comes crawling up your ass, because eventually it will. Then you're going to be contacting John and I and apologizing. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. We didn't mean it. You know what? I want the leadership. And so is John. We want the leadership to be accountable for the disgraceful way they've been handling business, how they've shamed the shield and shamed the job. The taxpayers should be really pissed off right out of salt that the funds 
are going in this manner, not towards the anarchist, not towards the migrant crisis, not towards the, the crime that is spiking in the subways, the shoplifting that's out of control affecting these real retail businesses, but the two lieutenants, let's put out this full investigation. Because it's not about the release of the body camera. That's not what it's about. It's about anyone that has a connection to John and I. So I'm saying this right now. To my friends that are out there, members of the police department, you know me and you know John with stand-up guys. I'm on numerous threads on WhatsApp and different text message, mass text with different cops and different ranks of members of the NYPD, and I'll never release your information. We would never do that. We keep it anonymous. And I know when there's certain things being discussed that you don't you don't talk about it, you don't engage John and I when it comes to stuff in the police department. And lately we see that people are, are completely trying to avoid us and not talk to us at all. We don't take it personal. We understand that you have to protect yourself. But it's completely wrong what's going on that the police department is trying to shut you down to shut us down. And how they're going to try to shut us down is by trying to hurt you. Trying to hurt you in a witch hunt of an investigation that's really a sidebar and a distraction when what the ultimate target and goal is, is to shut us down. Why do they want to shut us down? It's because, particularly in this video being released, John and I gave the perspective that the whistleblowers want to hear. That the police officers don't have adequate training. That the police officers that were hired to do this job are meat, timid, and docile. That they don't have the masculine traits to do this job. That the police department is not supporting them. The unions are not supporting them. That's why they want to shut us down. Because the locker room talk has now been exposed. You might as well call the finest unfiltered NYPD locker room talk. Because it's the same discussion. It's the same discussion that the weak management is actually having also. But they don't say it publicly. We do. I just I'm 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 at the point like I I I usually don't get mad and I usually don't care but when I hear that my name is being slandered all over and I know that our names were run in databases prior to this investigation and now that I know that they've been run again for nonsense pigeonholed investigations because again if it was an actual investigation you would identify all of the things that came out on social media in an attempt to identify everything instead of instead of narrowing in and leaving out all this information on the side. No, let's just get to that. How that happened? Who knows them? Who talks to them? That is a complete intimidation tactic. Again, trying to infringe not only on our First Amendment rights, but your First Amendment rights as well. And I guarantee there were a bunch of phony subpoenas that went out for, for uh, administrative subpoenas for an administrative violation. Because at the end of the day, the body camera video is, it, it, it technically, although they have no ability to release it, it's public information. It's public information. Do they, they release body camera video all the time shootings, body camera video where people died, all of these things. This is an embarrassment, so they wouldn't want to release this, right? Which is most of the body camera video that you'll see today, an embarrassment. Um, and that's why they want to keep it. That's why they want to keep it. That's why they want to keep it secret. That's why they want to shut your radio down and go to go to when no one can hear the radio transmissions because it's an embarrassment. And really, the embarrassment comes from the top because they're inept. They're completely inept. They don't want to see the product that they're putting out on New York City streets. And I just, uh, again, I, I can't say enough about how 
how this administration feels about their own. Now, I get when you're a leader and you're in positions, people are going to criticize you, whether it's warranted or not. You might be the best thing since sliced bread. People are still going to criticize you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to do all these things. But it's up to a leader to just go on and go about their day and continue with their job and their mission. But that's not what's happening here. We're being stuck in. No, I don't care if we got to get if we got to if we got to interview 5000 more people. We're going to find who talks to these guys. We're going to figure out who talks to them. And, and in an attempt to crush their own because they're so mad that two retired guys are, again, giving their opinion. It's ridiculous. It's our opinion. It's our First Amendment right to do so. This is a podcast. We analyze police events, policy, legislation, and give perspective from the inside of a police officer's mind. Because whether you like it or not, we were both part of you for almost 40 years combined. So whether you like that or not, that is what it is. And the things that we're saying, you are unwilling to try to debunk because you can't. You've all been invited on this podcast numerous times and declined. And, and again, I, I, I can't say enough about how we've actually led you into what you should be doing. And you see it clear as day today as they're trying to fight back now against this How Many Stops Act that me and Eric did a podcast on two weeks ago and broke the whole thing down for you guys. And now you're taking that information and blasting it all over social media. So you're welcome. (laughs) You know what I was actually thinking? I actually think the best message these anarchists right now, pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel and BLM 2.0, forget about standing out in the cold with signs out there blocking traffic. You really want to piss off the police department? Just make a podcast. Go on YouTube, criticize the NYPD leadership, and you'll get them so fired up, you'll get their attention. You want their attention? Apparently, John and I have learned that criticism is the most flammable tool that you could use to entice the NYPD. More than blocking traffic, more than assaulting their own. That doesn't bother them. Jose LaSalle and Cop Watch sticking videos in cops' faces making fun of them, people going around making cops cry about their 58, throwing water on cops, abusing cops. That's okay. That doesn't bother them. Shooting cops doesn't bother them. Shooting cops. I was going to go with that. Shooting cops, they don't care. But if you criticize their egos, you will get their attention. So that's my message. Do you want their attention? Just make a podcast. You'll be nice and warm. We're warm right now. Why stand out there freezing out the cold? All you have to do is criticize Cass Daughtry, criticize John Shell. It's not too hard. They, they believe me, they make it very easy. So, you know, with that being said, I just think it's really sad that uh, that what these cops are doing and ranking members by attacking this podcast to try to suppress our speech, when ultimately no one has done more for them than we have including CCRB testimony on a monthly basis, deciphering the disciplinary disciplinary matrix, having debates on a constant basis with the unions, exposing money that was funded to leftist politicians, money that's coming from NYPD members' pockets to unions 
money that's used in complete opposition to your job. But that's okay. We don't take it personal. Actually, I want to say thank you. John, I'm sure, is appreciative. We have a nice case folder that's about this high right now. Thank you for all the attacks on social media. I appreciate the stuff you've written on my personal self. You contacted me on my regular phone through WhatsApp. Call me again anytime. You have my email. Just ask Pat Hendry. He has it. I sent him an email. He never got back to me. You have my information. But what's a good question? I do have a good question. How did you get my phone number? Was it from a disloyal cop? Or was it from a database that you checked? Which one is it? You know, it, uh, it's it, it's interesting times that, that the cops have started out with, you know, really teetering around, you know, harassing us. And, but now they've actually crossed that line where they're actually committing crimes. It's really sad. But guess what? We're not going away. This podcast is only growing. We're going to continue. We have a lot of supporters out there. And guess what? They support us. They don't support what you're doing. They feel that you shame the badge. And when you shame the badge, you shame everyone else that has worn that badge and is still wearing it right now. Active and retired. You shamed us all. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I've been called a rat a lot over the last two years. I served two years and eight months in the Internal Affairs Bureau. And it actually was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences out of my 18-year career. Saw actually what the police department thinks about you guys and how much integrity they actually do have. And it would, and, and honestly, I would never take away that experience. I think it was a vital part of my, uh, of my growth, not only as a police officer, but as, a, as an individual as well. Um, taught me a lot of different things that I didn't know from being a street cop prior. Um, so I think that was a very eye-opening experience for me. I think it, it, it's an, an integral part of how I was able to be even where I am today. So I would never take that back. But I've been called a rat, all this stuff, because I served honorably and I did serve with integrity, not only in that unit, but on the street. And I always said, if I run into you on the street and you're a dirty cop, I don't need to be in internal affairs. I'll lock your ass up. And that's how I always was. And... You know, the same people that are calling us rats and all this stuff have a minor problem that they addressed already. And they're trying to blow it open and make it this huge problem. And they stuck internal affairs on everybody because their their ego is inflated and they're going crazy over a body camera video. That me personally, I'll tell you right now, I'll guarantee you right now, I'll make a bet if anybody wants to bet me. In less than five years, I think it'd be much shorter than that. Body camera video will be completely accessible to the public. So this whole thing will be a non-incident five years from now. Same way, all the reason that I'm retired right now is a non-incident today. Same way, right? Because we're not playing the short game here. We're playing the long game. The leadership in the police department's playing the short game. They're the rats. They're the ones that are trying to bring down the weight of the police department, internal affairs. I don't blame the internal affairs investigators. They're just doing what they're told. They're just doing what they're told. They're getting this thing. I mean, I blame you if you're lying on a subpoena to get somebody's records. Then you're not a cop. You belong in jail, too. I don't give a shit what what unit you're in or you're not in. Then I blame you. Then I don't care. You know, if you're going to sacrifice your integrity to make 
corrupt individuals happy or inflated egos to make it, you know, that way, then I'll blame you. But to just conduct an investigation that you're told, I don't blame you. But do the proper investigation. Find all the channels that this went out and do all that. If you're going to waste all of these resources, if you're going to spend millions of dollars and waste thousands upon thousands of man hours investigating something, investigate it properly. And, and just one thing, don't you think the first step would have been if I they wanted to identify how I got a video, that they would have just picked up the phone and said, how'd you get the video? Isn't that one part of that investigative stuff? Right? Oh, no, we're going to figure it out first. No, you're not. You More than likely, even if you get someone to tell you something, they're telling you the wrong thing and they're scared. So I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to get it. So good luck with your investigation. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it would... I think you well said. I think that everything you're saying is spot on. It's interesting, right? I mean, again, we talk we talk about what's hypocritical here. Body camera footage, other camera footage gets released on a constant basis about what's going on in the NYPD, this phenomenon of cops being assaulted, cops that are just meet Tim and Docile, they don't fit the bill to be cops. But what else gets released on a daily basis? Which which is another reason. Why they're going so hard on this podcast is because the criticism is not just coming from this podcast, it's coming from within. And most of the job, most of the police department right now is in agreement with this podcast when we're critical of Kaz Daughtry's position, Therese Shepard, John Shell, Jeffrey Madry, Edgar Ben, Philip Banks, and of course, Eric Adams himself. But everyone agrees with what we're saying. We're just a mouthpiece for it. I mean, it, I guess we can assume there should be. Because this footage created an entire investigation, there was a memo that was released. John, you had put it out. I guess there's going to be another investigation connected to you. Myself and the podcast. There should be another investigation. I hope to see another investigation of how we were able to put on social media a memo about Kaz Daughtry. Kaz Daughtry is making it so imperative to, to flex his ego within the police department that there's a memo in circulating in precincts that Kaz Daughtry's picture should be behind the desk so that the cops know who he is. So when this, when this, or as the word I like South Greco uses, this Fugazi king likes to walk into the precincts that people know who he is so they can call attention. So I would expect, and I'm going to say to the police department right now, because I know you're watching this, John Shell, Jeffrey Madry. Hello, how you doing, Kaz? It's Eric Dim. You know what? We said this wasn't personal, but apparently for you, this is personal. I'm not looking to see vengeance. John's not looking to see vengeance. The poison fruits of a tree, they'll fall apart on their own. You'll You'll mess up, you'll mess up and step on your own toes yourself. Your cops that are out there attacking us, it doesn't have to be John and I that, that get them. One day when they're sitting with rubber guns and they don't have their guns, it's going to be something that they did themselves. We don't have to do it. We don't have to seek vengeance. We don't take it personal. But there is a memo circulating, so you should open up another investigation. I want to make sure that there's a full investigation about that memo. Everything that gets released from the police department on a daily basis, it should be out there. And just to let you know, we didn't get it from a cop. It's all around social media. 
So good luck. I hope you start interviewing thousands of civilians out there, knocking on doors. And when you get a chance, call me. I will speak to you. John will speak to you also. I know you have my phone number. Just ask all cops awoke. He has my phone number. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And the, uh, the other thing I just want to highlight is most of the stuff you'll find if you find text messages between me or any group chats between me and any cops, what you'll really find is me releasing the information to your cops, not the other way around. Um, so I think that's the funny thing. But anything that I ever did get or received, I'll never give up. And whatever that looks like, I don't care. You're going to try to put a bogus charge. You're going to do whatever that is. I don't care. It's my First Amendment right to, to say what I'm going to say. And I'm also going to protect whoever did anything. I already lost my career over nonsense. So if you think I'm going to fold and give you a thing out of intimidation and fear, you're out of your mind. You're out of your minds. And the same goes for Eric. We're not afraid. We didn't do anything wrong. Neither did anybody on your job, but you're going after them because you have inflated egos. And just, again, to back up on these body camera videos, they should be public information. The police department released them all the time. What, what was the issue here? The issue here was they got embarrassed. It was a bad video. You've seen two cops who were not prepared to be on New York City streets. And thankfully, it was a non-incident because backup arrived. But that's what they're mad about. It's again, it's an ego blow. It's the same thing with these memes. I'm going to play a video right now from the Assistant Commissioner Kaz Daughtry. This came out as me and Eric were being threatened, told to stay in Florida, told to not come to New York, told to come fight people, places, threatened, called curse words. Our wives were made fun of uh, verbally. Our wives are fat, disrespected, complete nonsensical disrespectful things from identified cops. So I'm going to play this video of just how immature and egotistical the leadership in the NYPD is today. And honestly, inept, they should be not not be in this position because if you hear the things that this, this is a assistant commissioner Kaz Daughtry, he's at an award ceremony. You tell us who he's talking about. There's a handful of retired officers that don't live in the state that have a lot to say about the dream team, as I like to call it. All of a sudden, they retire and have a master plan on how to fight crime, but nothing to nothing to contribute when they were here. They want to come back and be part of the dream team. What can I say? <laughs> you know what's even funnier? John Shell laughing in the background. Listen, we appreciate it. It's obvious. Everyone knows. You just say our names. We know that you're talking about John McCarry and everything. You talk about the New York Spines from Tiny Flood, the podcast. Taz Daughtry, thank you for being a fan. And guess what? What I can tell you is this. We are critical of the NYPD management. We will continue to be critical. You will not shut us down. You can try to intimidate these cops all you want, but that's not going to shut us down. You know why? We don't need to get the information from the cops. We're not getting the information from the cops. It's all over social media. So how are you going to stop that? I don't know. And we don't need the information anyway. We have enough versatility and, much, and enough knowledge to discuss an array of topics. We don't discuss just the NYPD. But again, if you don't like the way we are being critical, 
and you don't like the information that we're putting out there, don't just address it at a gala. We have probably invited you on this podcast. You are still welcome at any time. We're not trying to seek vengeance. We don't take it personal. Kaz Daughtry, as the assistant commissioner of the police department, the ambassador for the New York Police Department, under Chief Jeffrey Madry, you are invited to this podcast anytime, and we can discuss your crime plan and your perception of our so-called crime plan. It's not our crime plan. It's our critique and analysis. It's our perspective. It's our opinion. If you don't like our opinion, please give us your opinion. Opposition meets opportunity. John Shell, I'm welcome to speak to you anytime. I was in the Marine Corps. I've experienced with firearms, accidental discharges, meets stupidity. We could talk about it anytime. You could tell me how your version of events, and I'll tell you, an accidental discharge is stupidity. But you, I would love to hear your perspective, perspective anytime. You're welcome, John Shell. So are you, Kaz Daughtry, anytime. And to the cops out there, we will never release your information. And if you ever spoke to us, it will remain anonymous. But it's interesting, because John and I, we're not criminals, and we do not have a criminal association. So it's quite interesting that the cops are being halted from having a relationship with this podcast. So anyone out there right now, if you're timid and you're shy to continue a relationship with us, we understand it. Uh, we won't fault you for it. We get it. We, we understand you have to protect yourselves right now. But we are going to expose this because this should not happen. It's completely illegal and it's immoral. And it's just outright shameful. Absolutely. The, the podcast, our social media accounts are being monitored. So to the active cops, I usually put a satire warning on all the memes and the funny things that we put out put a satire warning because, you know, people are going to say that we're spreading misinformation. We're spreading hate, all of these crazy things. They accuse us of being racist because we put a rap song with something. Uh, Lloyd Banks, I guess is racist. So Lloyd, if you're listening, you're a racist. Sorry. I am going to continue to play a music in some of the memes, but apparently you're racist in the eyes of some police department, some people in the police department. Um, so all of these attacks, so I usually put a satire warning, but now I'm going to add on to that. We're going to add on as we release this stuff, as we release these memes and these funny things, uh, another warning, like a, a basically a danger warning to active members of the NYPD to not like the post. Because believe me, they're going to attempt to identify you. They're going to attempt to identify you. And could they do anything to you? No, it's your First Amendment right. They're not going to do anything to you for liking the post but they'll figure out a million other ways to nail you on, on the thing. And we don't want that. You know, we don't want that at all. Our goal was to never get anyone hurt. We didn't want to see those two, the two people get hurt that released the body camera video. Um, we've had no contact with them. Wasn't released directly to us. I don't, you know, it was, it was a stupid thing. More than likely they just shared it into the, to amongst their friends and their friends released it and released it and released it. And it came into the hands of numerous retired officers and numerous social law enforcement social media accounts. And, and we all blasted it out, not knowing where it came from or what it was. It was just, hey, here's another video that we could we could talk about, right? Critique and all that stuff. Um, and you know, so and, and that just goes to show you what you can't trust these these chats and you can't put this information out. Once you put something on the internet, it's out there, it's gone. This kid probably sent a message to five people and from five people, it went to a hundred thousand. And now the police department's going to try to recreate every step, which they're not going to be able to do by the way, but they're going to try as hard as they can and spend millions of dollars of taxpayer money to see specifically how I got it. But 
with that being said, don't do that. Don't release any information. Don't release anything. If there's something that you believe needs to get out there and you then you should do whistleblower status or file a lawsuit or go to your union or get your own personal attorney. I, I, you know, we've well documented the unions aren't your friends and they're, and they're not going to help you. Going to a union might be your last step, but it, it is what it is. So we have we have all of this immaturity going on. We have everything. And, I, and, and, and just one other thing, like during this video, as this video is playing, I receive a message on my social media from an identifiable New York City police officer. And this is what he says. I had the opportunity to speak with Commissioner Daughtry regarding your posts and attacks on him. Now, I don't believe their attacks, their criticisms, their satire. Again, I have no hard feelings toward Katz Daughtry, John Shell, Ed Caban, or anybody else. I could care less about you people. I'm just living my life, talking my truth. Um, I'm living my life every day. I don't have no hate. So they're not attacks. If you take them as attacks, take them how you like them, how you like Attacks on him and the men and women of the NYPD. Now, Eric and I support the NYPD, I think, more than the NYPD does, more than their unions do. As you could see, again, I'm going to back up on this How Many Stops Act. We were the only ones who were in contact with Jamani Williams. We were the only ones who were in contact with New York City Council. And we were the only ones who completely broke down exactly what New York City residents should expect and go through the language of the bill. And and kudos to you guys for now following suit weeks later and putting out these videos. I think the, the video that the PBA put out and the video that the NYPD put out are a great job. And even now that New York City Mayor Eric Adams taking our advice and now beginning to advocate, you guys are welcome. Again, great job following suit. But it was Eric and I who started that chain of events by 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 advocating on social media, advocating on podcasts. It was us who brought this platform. Prior to that, there would be no words from the New York City Police Department or your union. Remember that. Prior to this podcast, prior to us getting on social media, there would be zero advocation for you anywhere on social media or in the media or anything else. They tell you, take it like a good boy and girl and keep your mouth shut. Don't worry about it. Still a good job, kid. You know? So... He said, like any position of leadership, when decisions are made, people will always criticize. That comes with a job. Commissioner Daughtry welcomes criticism. The rank and file know that the men and women who you attack, who are still part of this department, and again, you attack, have come to their defense because we believe in his and other executive leadership and we believe in the mission. It is clear that you have to cater to your base of individual and that no matter what we say, your beliefs about this department won't change, but that's okay. It's your right to criticize and disagree. And it's also clear that we shouldn't try to reason with you or try to change your opinion. Just remember, words matter and you have a platform that people listen to. No one views you as retired NYPD. They only see you as NYPD. So no matter how much you distance yourself from the attacks on the brand, because you back in your day wasn't like this, you're still attacking the brand and attacking the men and women that daily risk their lives in this city. Commissioner Daughtry wants to stop the back and forth and have us refocus our energy on making the job better for all. 
Let these guys say what they want on their podcast. They're entitled to their opinion, and we don't owe them anything. And we don't have to justify anything to them. Your hard work speaks for itself and speaks volume as you continually go out there with everyone against you that put that uniform on and do God's work. Remember, if they're not hating, you're not working. Stay safe, and let's get stuff done. So this is from a New York City police officer after... Commissioner Daughtry was up on that stage. And after Eric and I made numerous allegations that we were being threatened online. So complete nexus. And again, it all started when we invited John Shell on this podcast because he was looking at my LinkedIn at five o'clock in the morning. I assumed, hey, if you're researching me, if I get numerous calls during the week that you're asking people about me, that you're talking about me, then I assume that you would like to have a conversation, more than willing to have that conversation online or offline, but you're unwilling. Instead, send the dogs. Well, I do appreciate the fact that the cop that identified himself with his picture actually admits that we were the topic of conversation in meetings about this podcast, and that Kaz Dorfrey actually acknowledges that he welcomes criticism. Well, for one, I don't even know why you're bringing this up in a meeting, a podcast that's giving that critique. Why don't you bring up Copwatch that's giving critique, that gives the police department resistance and reluctance? Why don't you bring up BLM? Why don't you bring up Rally Rel? Why don't you bring up these anarchists that are destroying the city day in and day out? But yet, you're completely insulted by New York's finest retired film, the podcast. Why? Because... The vast amount of knowledge that we have of policing, the array of topics, the versatility that John and I have to discuss different issues of the police department has held the police department accountable. Kaz Daughtry is in a position now, a high-ranking position with, where he lacks leadership skills and the experience. And he's going to take that personal. But you have to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and say, I was elevated seven ranks. I never even passed a test. I never had a low-level position of leadership to actually get my feet wet. You went from crawling to jumping off a building. You, you missed. There's a lot of steps that were missed that you really missed an opportunity to have the experience to be in a leadership position. Again, I've said this earlier. There are some outliers out there. There are born leaders. But for most, it's a learned skill including myself, I will say that it's a learned skill you learn over time. John has admitted to that also. We've alluded to that. We talk about experience that was self-taught, was self-read. We've read numerous leadership books to elevate us in our experience and our careers. You need that. It's so important. But, Kaz, you've completely taken this personally. You've exposed your inadequacies. You've exposed your weakness. You've proved there's a nexus between yourself and these cops, the attack on us including fake memes, also attacking my personal self. Cops and supervisors asking about uh, John McCarry's career, what he's doing, how he feeds his family, some very personalized questions. Again, we don't take this, we don't get angry about this. We're not going to get angry. These, these emotions are emotions that you have within yourself. Good leaders accept critique. Good humor is also in correlation with good leadership. Being a good leader is having that humility and having that humor to laugh at yourself. That makes you a better leader. That makes you acknowledge 
you're false. You can't expect to be perfect at everything and take everything personal. Because if you are, it's going to be a long time. And I will tell you this. I promise you this. This is not a threat. This is the honest truth. When Mayor Eric Adams changed hands and this regime changes, he's going to go away, and so will you. But you know who will still be here? John and I, the finest unfilled, we will still be out here. We will still be giving our critique. And you know what? If you decide to drum up some fake charge to have John and I arrested, but guess what? We will be smiling the entire way. I promise you, if there's a photo op, we will be smiling. I just ask one thing. If you do eventually come up with some bullshit charge, just send the plane ticket because I'm not going to pay for it. It's my expense. And same thing for John. But other than that, we don't take it personal. We're not going to stop. If you want us to stop, well, you know what? At least come on the podcast and discuss your issues. But to have these distractions, these diversions, these investigations to hurt the cops thinking it's going to get to us, what's well, not going to happen? Never. Not in our watch. Not as retired and not as active either. You can call us rats all you want. I don't have any loyalty to you guys. I don't. What you don't understand is we're civilians. We play by different rules. I don't have to play by your rules. And that's what these cops don't understand. They still think in their head somehow we're attached to the job. Maybe we're attached emotionally, we're attached intellectually, but we are no longer under your helm. And we have First Amendment, and we have freedom of speech. The, uh, you know, I, like I, you know, it's not the, it's not that there are a lot of cops attacking us. I mean, I think the 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 fear is just the consensus and the mindset and the ability that we have to point out what we believe is wrong. The things that we see that are inadequate, that we believe to be inadequate. Now, they might be right. And I just believe they're inadequate or Eric does. But that's all right as humans, as individuals, as Americans. Right. We all swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. I believe in the Constitution, whether I swore that oath or not. I believe in those rights. Um, I, I, ho I would hope that the administration does as well. And I think most of what we say online, I mean, I'm not a disrespectful person. Eric's not a disrespectful person. Now, I do point out things that are uncomfortable to talk about, and they will give people uncomfortability to have those conversations. And the same with Eric. We point out things that, oh, not a good time. Don't bring that up. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to point that out. But we do do that. And I mean, and I've always done that. It's just... Again, I've said it before, I grew up in a, in a household with a with a disabled uh, Vietnam vet, combat Vietnam veteran, and he told me all my flaws. And I didn't never thought he didn't love me. It was just the way he that was how he loved me by being brutally honest with me. And and I and I grew from that. And and I I'm the same way with my children, and my wife's the same way with me, and I'm the same way with my wife, you know. My wife will tell me I'm an idiot and I'm this and I'm that and go do this and go do that. And 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 it's honestly, it's out of love, you know, so I, I, I am brutally, my critiques could be brutal, but they're not disrespectful. They're not, I'm never, we're not cursing people out. We're not doing any of these things. We're pointing out things that could be debated. We're pointing out facts that could be debunked, right? You could say, no, that's not accurate, but none of that happens. None of that happens. It's slander, it's intimidation, it's defamation. And now it's going after their own even eating their own. I mean, this is must have been what Stalin's Russia was like. 
working for the New York City Police Department today is like that. And, you know, there was a time in Stalin's Russia where when Stalin would get up, people would clap and they would clap. People would fall on the floor and die. People would pass out because the first, they didn't want to be the first one to stop clapping. And the first one that stopped clapping, you know what happened to them? They got investigated and they went to the gulag. And we're not far from that today. You might think, oh, John, you're nuts. You're crazy. No, we're, we're absolutely not far from that today. Say you liked my post. Say you like the post that Eric put out or the podcast put out. You like one of those posts. Does it really mean that you like it, that you support everything? Maybe you feel bad for John. Maybe you're like, oh, John's got no friends. I feel bad this guy lost his career. I'm just going to like his stuff because I just want to support my friends. There are plenty of posts that I don't even agree with that I just hit like on. There are plenty of businesses that my friends run that I could care less about, but I like them. Oh, I'll share or I'll do whatever because they're my friends' businesses. I know them. I'm just trying to show support. doesn't mean that I'm, oh, yeah, no, that's great. I hate Kaz Daughtry or this, that, or the other thing. Maybe they do think it's funny. Maybe they see a meme and they think it's funny and they hit like. But does that mean that they're terrible people and they're bad cops or you should be going after them? I mean, you should really be able to accept criticism. This is what we do as police officers. This is what me and Eric did. This is what me and Eric do now as men. We accept criticism. We get a ton of criticism about this podcast. We get a ton of criticism about our opinions. And that's great because that's what this platform is, is to have these conversations. I don't know everything. Eric doesn't know everything. Eric speaks his truth. I speak my truth. You're able to come on here and speak your truth and we'll do it like men. And we don't have to do it online. We could do it offline too. I'm a very sociable, friendly guy. So is Eric. I'm in New York often. If you want to meet up, I'm always willing to. I'm not I'm not a, a tough guy. I'm not brash. I'm not anything. I am who I am. I've been who I've always been since I'm a child. I care about people. I care about the New York City Police Department. I care about New York City. I care about the future of this country for my children. And I I put those things on the highest on the highest level and so does Eric. So the attacks are really at this point are ridiculous. But I do think today set a precedent for me today. And this whole incident set a precedent for me today that I truly believe there needs to be a national standard for body cameras and body camera video should be readily available to the public. Why does an appointed police commissioner get a say over who's going to see what video and who's not? There's too much room for error. There's too much room for corruption. There's too much room for collusion. There's too much room for political gain. It needs to stop. If we're going to be transparent, then let it be transparent. If body cameras are for transparency, then let it be transparent. Show what's going on. Block out the private information. Get it right out there and do your investigation while that, while that, while that, while that body camera is released. Absolutely. Also, when I, when I think also, I agree. There should be a standard. But we understand also which standards... There's always exceptions. And that's where I think the police department is really missing the mark also. Again, I always say communication breaks barriers. I think the police department has to have more communication with the public and not have this quasi type of, of blanket of, of, of hiding information. What I think the police department needs to do more often is tell the public, we have this incident. It didn't fare well. It's going to be released. Uh, or 
maybe this video that needs some time before it gets released, maybe it's so convoluted for people to understand. Say, listen, we have a video. This is the incident. We're going to give just give you an idea of the contents that have taken place. We haven't released it yet, but here is why. And what I found in relationships, just in life, friendships, relationships, business relationships, teammates, communication is the key to success. Communication breaks barriers. When you leave people in the dark, they get frustrated and their senses get heightened and things blow out of proportion because people are anticipation. And what happens? Anxiety, the mind starts thinking, people overthink when they're preparing for something that's going to come out. It's the same thing. When, again, you said a movie trailer. When there's a movie trailer and the movie doesn't come out right away years ago, right? It would, it would come out in a week or two. You're building that anticipation. The UFC does it. They build up and they do a build up anticipation so that people are more enticed to see that fight. But we need to we need to bring that back. We need to tailor back and re retract from that when it comes to body camera footage that people are not enticed by it. Immediately release it. And again, I said with standards, there's always exceptions. You may have some exceptions where you say, this video we can't we cannot release yet because it's so convoluted. Or maybe we have to protect the identity of some people. Or maybe it may compromise the integrity of an investigation to seek out the perpetrator or the person of interest in a particular case. But tell the public that. Tell the public, we did not release this video yet because it could inhibit us from catching the perpetrators or because it could release the information of a, a victim of a sex crime. Let the public know. And now they understand you're not leaving them in the dark. People want to know why. I do believe when you tell people why, it does de-escalate situations. Even when, John, I'm sure you can, you can agree with this. When you're in a supervisory role, supervisory role or you're in a leadership role, and when people ask you questions of why they're doing something, when you actually explain it to them, sometimes it really de-escalates a situation and you gain their respect because you explain why and you didn't leave them in the dark. People want to know why. What, what are your thoughts on that? Again, I'm gonna. I, I disagree with you a little bit. Like I, I, I honestly think I think that identities should be protected. I think personal information should be protected. But we're told that these body cameras are for public transparency. If if there is a victim of a sex crime, like I said, block out the information, block out the verbal, block out something. But the videos should be readily available to the public. Why does CCRB have access to every video, but the public doesn't? What 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 gives the government the right to videotape you, to videotape all of us without our consent, and then tell us we can't watch the video. You know, I, 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 you know, the, 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 you know, I've always been on the libertarian standpoint of this. Like, you know, I, I am against the, the way that body cameras are used to penalize cops, and I'm against the way body cameras are used to manipulate the public and public perception. The only way to alleviate that, I believe, is through being open and transparent. Just like you said, when I ever dealt with any member of the public, I was brutally honest with them as well. And they respected that. And that basically disarmed people. I never tried to defend an NYPD policy. I never tried to defend a policy I didn't agree with. I said, hey, listen, this is the policy. I didn't make it, but this is what it is. This is what we do. If you want to do this, this is what you could do. I can't do it for you. I didn't make the rule. I'm just telling you what it is. I'm just telling you what these things are. Now, I, I do agree there are some times that 
it, it may not should not be immediately released, but there should be a time frame. If 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 there's a 30 day window for CCRB to get body camera video, then there should be a 30 day window for the public to get to get a body camera video. If there's a 60 day window, there should be a 60 day window. I I believe that these are public. You, you know, again, these are public servants, right? The New York City Police Department serves the public, right? They serve the public. It's not the other way around. They're not our dictators. They're not our masters. They're not our overseers. Unfortunately, today, it kind of seems like that, right? You can't criticize this department. Clap, clap. When Kaz Daughtry walks in the room, salute, right? This is the biggest thing in New York City police. We just got another thing that, that you know, oh, make sure you salute this guy. Here he is. He's of uh, most high importance. It's not in the patrol guide to salute an assistant commissioner. However, salute him because his ego is so, so bent out of shape that he's either going to transfer you or he's going to flip out or he's going to yell at the CO. You know, and, that, and, and that's what's going on today. I mean, we're, we're getting notified left and right how COs are afraid to have an incidence with this guy. And they're afraid that we're going to find out about it and do a podcast about it because they don't know how it's going to affect their career. I mean, weak, 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 weak. Kaz, if you hate us, just come on. If you don't want to come on, pick up the phone. Give us a call. We could talk about it. I mean, like I said, most of this stuff is in jest. It really isn't. I will call out shit. Eric will call out things we don't like. It is what it is. But but there's no hate here. You know, I get notified the other day. Someone's telling me that a lieutenant in the police department and all these other people. Oh, I'm at war with your boy. I'm at I'm not at war with anybody. Is there anyone's at war with me? I mean, you got a you got a serious mental problem in your head. Shouldn't be carrying a gun on New York City streets or have a shield. I'm not at war with anybody. I'm not at war with anybody. I, I'm at war with myself. I, I fight my own vices. I work out in my own head. I, I'm at war with getting older. I'm not at war with anybody. I mean, to, for, the, for that statement to even come out is insane. It just shows the level of immaturity today. Um, so, I, I, again, I, I, I think that it, it really brings up the bigger issue of is the police department transparency? Are the police transparent? And what we're seeing is across the nation. No, they're not. They're not transparent. The average rank and file men and women on the street. Oh, you're transparent. You'll give me body. You'll give me a business card if I'm rude to you. I, you have to you have to fill out a form if you stop me, say what my gender is, how I identify, what my name is, what my sex is, what my race is, all this stuff. You're open and transparent. However, the administrations aren't. When they want to when they want to when they want you to be protected because it's in the best interest of the police department, they'll protect you. When they don't, they won't. Well, I actually think it's a beautiful thing of what you said because it proves, for one, they talk about transparency. This podcast itself is transparent. Why? When we film these podcasts, they're never edited. And John and I don't actually prepare of what we're going to say. We know the topic. But we both give our perspective and analysis. And John just said, he said he didn't totally agree with me. But when you actually hear it, and most of it, we agree there are some different nuances to some of my new show. But we are critical of each other. Do we get upset by it? Absolutely not. We take it and we accept it. We say, you know what? That's a great perspective. Let me see John's point of view. And John says, well, you know what? Let me see Eric's point of view. Most cases, as a whole, we pretty much agree. Of course, there's some nuances we, we may disagree. We both had different careers and we both had different minds. We have similar minds that think alike. But of course, we have our differences. And that's what men do, is that we actually analyze each other. When John and I talk offline, and we talk about a podcast and how we should video, 
and, and, and planning of what we should discuss. We're very critical of each other. Do we get upset by it? Absolutely not. There's plenty of times John has critiqued me. And I said, you know what? I like that. I agree. No, thank you. I'm glad you pointed that out. And I would do the same thing with my men and women. Sometimes I would have briefings and discuss an actual plan of maybe we're going to do a search warrant. We're looking for a particular person of interest that's wanted for an intelligence card. And we would plan of, or maybe we're trying to solve a robbery pattern. And I would I would get their input. Sometimes I would let them, they would critique me and say, you know what? I'm not sure if that will work for us. Would I get by, upset by it? Absolutely not. I would take it and learn from it. That's what makes us better. I don't even the, uh, the men and women in the tan pants unit, along with Kaz and John Shell that are attacking us, and even this personal call. I don't even take it personal. I don't get upset. Honestly, I'm more upset than them. That I think it's unhealthy that they've taken so much time out to get fake phone numbers through Google and fake and, and change their accounts constantly. And they probably have to get all these burners to figure out how to attack us and try to figure out they're spending all this time and energy on trying to shut us down instead of just saying, you know what? These guys have their point of view. Some of it we like, some of it we don't, and laugh at it. But all you did was make this even more and you put more attention on yourself. And that's what you don't understand about leadership, especially Kaz Daughtry, is you're bringing more attention to yourself by having to have your picture behind the desk, by having to address different commands that they have to salute you and call attention. You're causing more attention to yourself and it's negative. Let it organically happen. Go out there and figure out how to do a good job so that they know who you are, so that they want to call attention to you. Respect is earned. You don't have to take it from the men and women. They will give it to you once you earn it, but you have to allow it to happen. I feel sorry that you're going through these great lengths. What it really exposes is that when weak men have power, it's extremely dangerous. And that's what I see here. Because John and I spoke yesterday, I said, how far are these guys willing to go? Are they willing to give up their shields? How far are they willing to go to attack this podcast? Because it's really sad. I'm shocked of how far they went already. I'm disappointed. But unfortunately, what keeps happening and going further, I won't be shocked anymore. Yeah, so, you know, I appreciate everybody listening to this, taking time to come out, you know, and buckling up and taking this ride with us. And we're going to see wherever it goes. Uh, because I'll tell you right now, there's one thing that's not going to happen. I'm not going to stop. Eric's not going to stop. This is America. It's constitutional First Amendment privileges. I will give my opinion. Eric will give his opinion. We will continue in any shape, form, or manner we so please. And that's one thing I can guarantee. So for the continued intimidation, for the guys who've been GO'd that I don't even know, half of you, I'm sure I probably don't know most of you. Most of you are probably like, I don't even know this this guy. I never interacted with him one time in my life. Um, you know, I, 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 I won't apologize. Eric's not going to apologize. But just, just, just take it with a grain of salt. See who it is. See where it's coming from. See where it's coming from because it ain't coming from us. We didn't try to hurt nobody. We've been doing the same thing for two years. So have so many other accounts and so many other podcasts. But for some reason, for some reason, there is a major focus on me and Eric. The other the other NYPD sergeants and lieutenants and captains and all those guys that have podcasts, everybody loves them. Everybody supports them. Why? 
because they talk, they don't say the things that we're going to say. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about the real issues. And it just is what it is. It just shows where we're at in this country, where we're at as men. You know, I put a quote out there uh, that uh, Nietzsche said. He said, a man's worth is determined upon how much truth he can handle. Right. How much truth he can handle. And what we're seeing is. There's a lot of men that can't handle too much truth in leading New York City Police Department. And it's pathetic. It truly is pathetic. That's what I say. I feel bad for you guys. I'm not mad at anybody. I feel bad. I feel bad for the the, the great people that have to work under this insanity, that have to work under this immaturity. I mean, because the focus isn't public safety. You know, we, we, we I saw a tweet the other day where he said the focus is to make the, a better department for the men and women in the New York City Police Department. Really? That's your focus? Because you're failing totally at that. I would think that your focus is public safety, then follow it up by I'm trying to make it a better department for the New York City, the men and women in the New York City Police Department. But I'll tell you right now, you're failing miserably. You're making it a far worse totalitarian version of the New York City Police Department. We're rousing the garbage. It's not because of this podcast. It's because this is the consensus. This is how people feel. This is how you're making them feel. And yet that's your focus. You're saying you're, you're going to make it better for them, but you're making it significantly worse. Make sure you salute me, though, because if you don't salute me, that's a problem. If you don't do all of these things, if you don't stroke my ego, then it's not going to be a better New York City Police Department. You know, it's, it's, it's weak and inept leadership. That's what's going on. And again, you're full so – you're full – Attention should be on public safety. None of what we talked about here today involves public safety other than transparency and being open and honest with the public. None of the attacks on us, your whole investigation, none of it involves public safety or public trust. As a matter of fact, it actually works towards the exact opposite. The exact opposite of that. There's a few things I want to discuss here. First thing is this, I just want to say at a personal level, to the weak appointed management of the NYPD and the cops that are attacking us, I have a tattoo on my on my ribs. Most Marines get it. It's a dog tag, and inside that dog tag, it says death before dishonor. And I live by that code. I will never dishonor myself. I will never dishonor this podcast. I won't dishonor my friends. I will not dishonor my wife, my family, my kids. Anything that's important to me. And the same went for the shield. I would never dishonor that shield. But the men and women have, have attacked us, have dishonored their shield. And go even further, what you said. You talk about public safety being first. And one thing I learned in the Marine Corps was there's a mission and there's an order and a hierarchy of a matter of importance. And you know, the number one thing in the Marine Corps was first is mission accomplishment. Then second underneath that was troop welfare. So the mission was the most important thing. That means win a war, win a battle. Second is troop welfare. Means even if you have to give up your life, the most important thing was to accomplish that mission. And what we see in the police department, the most important thing is not the mission, not public safety. The most important thing is their welfare. The welfare of Cass Daughtry. The welfare of their of their uh, cohorts, Jeffrey Madry and Eric Adams and Philip Banks and John Shell. That's the most important thing is their welfare first. 
and then the mission. And that's not the way it should be. And I want to say one more thing. When I was in the Marine Corps, and this is just some advice to Kaz, the leaders of the Marine Corps, they didn't have to wear their ranks. We knew who they were. And we didn't respect them because we had to. We did because we wanted to. We stood at attention. We stood at parade rest with our hands behind our back when we spoke to them because it was an honor. It was a matter of respect. We saluted them with the most amount of pride because those men and women gave the respect back to their people. And one example I can give is this. When it came time for lunch or dinner, they would call a chow. The highest ranking members always ate last. The lowest ranking members would eat first. And the highest ranking members, no matter how hungry they are, would eat last. And they earned and they deserved the respect from the men and women. That's pure leadership. And that's not what we're seeing, you know, at all in any shape or form. It's always look at me, look at me, look at all the titles that I have printed on my chest over here. I mean, how much money you think the police department's spending on uh, getting embroidered, embroidered all different types of uniform jackets and vests to put their titles and their ranks and all of these different their units and all these different things. Like I, I, I'm telling you, it's probably it's probably well over a million dollars just in embroidery to stroke egos for, for to, to pay for someone's wardrobe. I mean, you know, for someone that doesn't have a uniform, someone that's not, you know, it's probably in the millions of how much embroidery. I'm sure if you look at the embroidery costs for the New York City Police Department, it's went up significantly um, throughout the budget. It's it's and it, and it's all ego stroking. It's all ego. Stroke. The same thing. You know, I always hated I always hated the funerals. I always hated the funerals and I hated the funerals because you would see the upper echelon go up as like a point of as a point of like, look at me, I'm going to go sit in the front of that funeral. Look at me. It's like, wouldn't you give that up for someone in the command, for someone that he, that person grew up with, for someone that's a part of that family member? Wouldn't you say, oh, I'm going to stand in the back. I'll stand in the back. Well, maybe I'll even stand outside. Nah, 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 nah. I got to go up first. You know, I was at, uh, what, what was it? Whose funeral was I at? I was at Mulkeen's funeral. I was at Mulkeen's funeral and there's a long line to go to the bathroom. Chief walks right in front of everybody, walks in the bathroom in peace. I'm like, look at, look at this guy. Now, if you really had to go to the bathroom, you're like, yo, I can't hold it. I got to go. No problem. But that should be, I don't care what rank you are. Dude, I got to go. Let me go. Could I, could you hold it a second? You know, but like that wasn't that. It was just a point of pure arrogance. Looked at everybody, shook his head, got in front and walked in. And I was like, this is this is what we do. Like, this is who we are. Like, oh, I got to get ranked so that I could walk in front of somebody to go to the bathroom. What is this, high school? Is this real? Is this, is this, this is how men are? This is not how men are. You're hiding behind something. And then who are you when you retire? Who are you when you're not in that uniform? You're nobody. You're nothing. Right? Because that's your whole identity. That's all you. I, I'm this because someone said I'm this. I don't know, man. I'm the same. I'm the same when I was in high school. I was the same when I was a cop, when I was a sergeant, when I was a lieutenant. I'm the same now when I'm retired. You see, my demeanor stays the same. Eric's demeanor stays the same. We're not tough guys. We don't think we're better than anyone. If anything, we're, we self-reflect on where we're wrong more than anything else. 
Um, so I, I, you know, that's, that's the mentality that needs to be weeded out the ego, the egotistical approach to policing and how you treat your own members. I mean, how do you think that that correlates to the public? Not in a good way, not in a good light. The public looks at you like this is the, these are the people that are policing me. Can't even be criticized. I'm glad you brought that up because that's why I said to you, excuse me, I'm getting a little bit of a cold here, but that's why I said to you, I was shocked that Joe Fox, Joe Fox blocked me on Twitter because on Instagram and Twitter, I don't know him personally, but I was extremely professional and respectful to him to engage him into a conversation because the ultimate goal is I want Joe Fox, if you watch this, which you probably are, to understand the power and the ability that he has now being designated for CCRB to actually be a catalyst for change for CCRB. I would be super excited if I had that position. If I had that position, the ability of the input and how I could affect the civilian complaint review board to make a change for the cops. And ultimately, what does that change for? For public safety. I would do it and I'll be proud to do it. But it's obvious Joe Fox does not have that same vision. Now, if I was harassing him or trolling him and being disrespectful, I can totally understand blocking me. But I have been nothing but respectful. Again, John said it. I agree. The way I speak now is the same way I spoke while I was on the job and the same way off the job. I was professional before and I'm professional now because I do believe in treating everyone with respect. I said it before. You do not have to respect everyone, but show everyone respect. Give them that respect when you're engaged into a conversation. So, again... Joe Fox, I don't take it personal, but this says a lot about you. And this says, this exposes the man that you are, the character that you are. And it exposes the ideology that I've had, where the, the job was riddled with nice men, but not good men. Because if you were a good man, you would take this opportunity to speak out because you know what's going on. You know that the cops are doing the best that they can and they've been inhibited and handicapped. And you're in a position to make change right now. But instead, it's about self-serving your own career and for your offspring. Again, it goes back to what I said. It's true welfare first and not mission accomplishment. It's about their own welfare. So, Joe Fox, you really need some self-reflection here. You're exactly what John's talking about. You have not removed yourself from the police department yet and enjoy retirement. You still think you're a chief. When John and I are retired and we've taken a new path. But you still think you're a chief and you're operating as if you're a chief. You want to talk about leadership? Well, you know what? Show us your leadership and show us how you can infect the CCRB to make a change to help the cops instead of just taking the ride and remaining silent because silence is cowardice. You know, like I, I've said, I don't know if I've said it publicly, but I like Joe Fox. I do. I don't I don't agree that he blocked you at all. I think I think it shows a weak character. Um, I do like Joe Fox and I like Joe Fox's message. I do. You know, he does support the cops. He does support the NYPD. He does embody being a cop. But when it comes down to the real issues, again, me and Eric are like black sheep for bringing up things that everyone's thinking, right? But nobody wants to say it because it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. These uncomfortable, inconvenient conversations like my my friend Edwin Raymond put out on his book, these inconvenient conversations. But how do we how do we truly respect 
the men and women of the police department? How do we truly respect ourselves? How do we respect our family and our friends if we're not honest with them and we don't tell the truth? How is that leadership? How do you lead from behind? How do you lead from the top if you're not honest? And, you know, I would love to have Joe Fox come on the podcast. He, he, I, I've heard him speak several times. He spoke at a point when I was very down in my life and it actually lifted me up and it gave me a totally different perspective. So I always respect Joe Fox. I don't respect him blocking you at all. I think he's a nice guy. But like you said, it's a difference between being nice and being good. You know, and I and I do get that he's got his back against the wall in CCRB, but that does not mean that you can still not interject your ideology and actually speak up. Like, you know, you're outnumbered there. His vote counts for nothing. Doesn't matter, though. You should be there to provide truth, perspective and analysis. Bring your truth to that table. I don't see it. I mean, me and Eric are not privy to those closed door meetings, but what we see in the open door meetings, we're not impressed with at all. I understand the position that he's in. Like I said he has an extreme amount of power because he has, he, right now, the members of the CCRB, the high-ranking members of the CCRB, the executive director, the acting chair, they're tangible right now to Joe Fox. They were never tangible to you, John, to myself. They were a distance away. We couldn't get to them because we were shut down and silenced by the NYPD and, and the unions. But they are so tangible. He's in there. He could be infectious. He could be influential. He might not make immediate change, but he could infect their minds and in, inject police ideology and at least give them a perspective that maybe they can understand. Now, I, I listen, I don't know Joe Fox per, personally, but what I can tell you is this. I do question his character. I see these pictures and he talks about how he loves these cops. But honestly, I question because I question by the actions that I see because I don't know him. And I question these pictures, are they really for the cops or are they for himself? Is it to continue his legacy for him to feel that he has status and to feel prestigious and for him to feel he has significance and purpose? Or is it really for the cops? And that's what I question, because if it was really for the cops, he would be taking action. He would actually be in a position with CCRB and be the opposition he could be respectful and still send his message. He could speak out at those meetings that you and I testify on a monthly basis. He could speak out and give us perspective. I'm sure over time they would probably kick him out. But you know what? But then it would be worth it. He could actually look in the mirror and say, I did everything I could. And that's what I expect. Push that button. Push. Sitting back and doing nothing. That It speaks volumes to me. It really does. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, Joe Fox, you're welcome to come on the show. That's all I got to say. You're welcome. We'll listen to everything you got to say. We won't beat you up. We'll give you the floor like we give everybody the floor. We'd love to have you on. Unblock Eric. Let's have these conversations. Let's go back and forth. If you're unwilling, it's a shame. That's all I got to say. It's a big shame. It, it exposes it, it exposes weakness in your character. That's what it does. Um one other thing I want to talk about, and I know we've never talked about it, and, I, and we've 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 said that we were at one point, and we just keep forgetting to do it. And I want to be a little fair to Kaz Daughtry, too. I want to be a little fair to Kaz Daughtry. So the correlation between Kaz Daughtry and Bernard Kerrick. I think let's just explore that. We've been we've been going on an hour and a half, a little long. 
think this is going to be a little longer podcast. But if you had to, the similarities and the differences between the appointment of Kaz Daughtry and Bernard Carrick, what would you, what, 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 what are the things that come to your head like to think about? Well, okay. Similarities that we could say is they were both elevated from a low rank within the police department to running the police department, right? Bernard Carrick went from the rank of detective to police commissioner, where he went from a detective, again, as a detective, you're not in a leadership role, to becoming the police commissioner of the New York City Police Department. At a, at a volatile time, during a, you know, an era where there's a extreme amount of crime. And that is a similarity in comparison to, to Cass Daughtry, who himself was a detective, and elevated to assistant commissioner, which is pretty close to police commissioner. It's a high-ranking position. He does have a lot of input. He's been a spokesperson for the police department. It's obvious that he's one of the frontline members running running the police department as we speak. So those are some similarities. But as I can say, the differences I can say really, listen, I'm not saying that everyone has to have military experience. No. But I will say this. If we're going to talk about experiences and the potential for ability to lead, Bernard Kerry did have experience in the U.S. Army. Okay, I read his book, The Lost Son. He was in the Army. He had a, a successful career, a successful enlistment. Uh, he spent a lot of time in, in Korea. Uh, so he was in a leadership role in the military. So he did have that aspect behind him. And what I did see, though, from the book that I read, uh, he did seem to advocate and support the men and women much more than I see from Kenneth Daughtry. Much more supportive. I've heard some, uh, some stories where he promoted he promoted some cops that weren't even supposed to get promoted because they got pranked and sent to one police plaza. Um, so I, I've, I've heard some great things. I heard that he was really supportive of the men and women. That's what I got from his book, of course, from his And I did hear him speak out before he was in prison and afterwards, and he always seemed extremely supportive of the cops and not in a power control and power struggle that I see from Pez Daughtry. Yeah, I, so for me, I think I think there's, there's 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 similarities and there's a lot of big differences too. So the similarities is they're close to the political, right? They're close to the politically elected. They're close to the elected. They both get appointed to these high rank. I agree with you that Bernard Carrick had much more experience, not only because of his leadership ability, but experience in the police department and carried himself in a different manner. And from what I see, then Kaz Daughtry carries himself. So that that's where I see them being similar. Um, so Bernard Carrick gets appointed to Department of Corrections first. So he's a commissioner in corrections for two years. He comes back to the New York City Police Department, and now he's the police commissioner for the New York City Police Department. And it's and I don't know if this is true. And I've I've interacted online with with Bernard Carrick several times, and I I. I I, I think he's a stand-up guy. Like he's not afraid to tell you what he thinks or how he feels and all that. I know that he's had issues, but every human that's ever walked this earth has had issues, right? And I say that constantly. Um, but he came from a leadership role into leading the New York City Police Department. Kaz Daughtry does not lead the New York City Police Department. And I think that's 
the bigger problem of it all, right? And that's the major difference. So, like, as much as there's a similarity that he got appointed, they're really that's where the similarities end because Bernard Carrick was told, you are going to lead the New York City Police Department. And apparently he went in and said, if anybody has a problem that a detective's running the New York City Police Department, you can put your papers in right now. And I, you know, and, and honestly, if Kaz Daughtry was appointing commissioner and he said that, I understand that. I understand that take. Like, I'm in charge now. If you don't like it, too damn bad. But the problem is, when it comes to Kaz Daughtry is, you know, as and, and, and it highlights with this whole saluting thing. It's that, like, you're an assistant commissioner. You're not even in the patrol guide. In, in the patrol guide, it does not say to salute assistant commissioner. It said police commissioner and other deputy commissioners not in uniform at the behest of the police commissioner. Other deputy commissioners, not a deputy commissioner, he's assistant commissioner. He's a civilian member, technically, right? And there's other assistant commissioners in the New York City Police Department that nobody salutes, nobody knows who they are, the men and women, and they're not out on the street and they're not running around. And they're not running around with a gun on their hip or a bulletproof vest. I don't know that he is, but I know he's out on the streets running around. And it's a weird, different position that's never really happened in the New York City Police Department. And I think Kaz Daughtry is a hardworking guy. I do. But when he says that me or you contributed nothing to the New York City Police Department, that's where it irks me a little bit because he doesn't know myself or you. And I don't believe that he did work harder than me or you. I believe he worked at the same level, the same amount of hours, the same dedication and the same care. I do think, though, when it comes to maturity, his maturity level has really been highlighted. It's really been highlighted and his lack of experience has been highlighted. Um, by and that's determined through the way he carries himself when Bernard Carrick carried himself and carries himself in a much different manner than Kaz Daughtry carries himself. So to be fair, I really don't think it's a good comparison to, co to, to compare them. But uh, several people have pointed that out. And I always meant to bring it up. And I never did. I keep forgetting. And I, I just wanted to highlight that. that was, those were my thoughts. Eric, if you have anything to add. No, absolutely. And I agree. I mean, if we also compare careers, Kaz Daughtry has been working for Jeff Madry, driving him for years. I mean, in his book, in The Lost in the Sun, Bernard Carey talks about how innovative he was. It was very, it was, he was a highly skilled detective from what I've read. Obviously, it's from his perspective. So, Bernard Carey, if you're watching this, I think your ideology was great. When he was young on the job, he always wanted to work in Midtown South because it was the busiest precinct in the entire city. Not necessarily the most violent, but just the busiest, the amount of volume, the exposure that you have. So he talks in the, he talks in the book how he was working in Midtown South, and he figured out when guys were going to a particular store, they would come out with a red bag, they had a gun in the bag. If they came out with a brown bag, they had drugs in the bag. So little things like this he picked up on, his observation skills, and his he did have some leadership skills, and that was a great point that he brought up also in corrections. I forgot to bring that up. But what's important about it is exactly, you don't necessarily have to know everything in the police department to be an effective leader, but you have to have the leadership skills. Even when I was in the Marine Corps, they put plenty of captains in a position where they're running a unit, and they don't necessarily have the forte to understand what's going on in the unit, maybe the technicality, but they have the leadership skills. And eventually they'll learn it over time. So they utilize their resources. They learn from the lower management, the leadership that's in that particular unit. But they had the leadership skills to use their resources. And I believe that Bernard Carrick did understand that. 
And I think himself just saying, hey, I'm taking charge. I'm taking the lead. Let the department know, know that. It's already a professional stance. Letting them know that, hey, I'm in a leadership position and we're going to address the real issues. That's another thing I like to talk about. I think that was a great question, by the way. I really appreciate that, especially since I read the book. But I do believe that Bernard Carrick did address the real issues affecting the police department that ultimately affected public safety. And I believe Kaz Daughtry has missed the mark on that. And he's let his ego and his uh, sensitivity when it comes to criticism completely distract and divert from public safety and try to fix his ego. So ultimately, you said this earlier that we're in this for the long game. So I'm curious when it comes to Kaz Daughtry. How long do you think this escapade is going to go? Do you think eventually he's going to just succumb to this and and learn to live with criticism, or or he's never going to stop and just just put his effort into shutting us down, which is ultimately not going to happen? I just I just think it's completely unhealthy, and I think public safety really takes the impact for it. What, what do you think? Yeah, like I said, I think it's a short game. I think this to even to even acknowledge us shows weakness. You know, I mean, it, it has a one hundred percent elevated us higher, and we're going to we were going to be elevated regardless if we're acknowledged or not. But I mean, from my standpoint, unless I thought it was a good point, I wouldn't acknowledge us. And if I thought it was a good point or something that needed to be debunked or discussed. I would do I would do just that. I would address that and say this is this is this was said and this is not accurate. I don't know if I would say who said it, but I would I would be like this is a point I've heard from critics. You know, this is a point that I've heard from critics. This is that. This is that. Um, I think they're playing the short game. I think he's very immature. I think he is sort of running this department right now. I mean, we've seen he's running the department, but not really running the department. So it's this weird thing. And it's it's really not like he's not the police commissioner, but he is. I mean, you know, what what I've seen from us being attacked, and I, and I think I said this to you, I said, what, what I could tell right now is this kid just got appointed and there's a captain from his former unit, a lieutenant from his former unit, sergeants from his former unit, and detectives going to bat talking about his leadership and how great he is. And what I said was, wow, that article was 100% right. He was always that boss. Even as a detective, that captain didn't run that unit. Those lieutenants didn't run that that, that platoon. That sergeant didn't run that unit. Kaz Daughtry ran that unit. Um, and, 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 and they bowed down to him almost immediately. And which we respect the rank. You respect the rank. I, I mean, if it happened to me too, but I would, again, I wouldn't, go doing personal attacks using my own name. And I certainly wouldn't do it from a fake account either. Cause I'm just not that type of person. Um, like I, I use my own name for everything. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to have these conversations and I don't think anybody should be, but what we see is they're afraid to be critiqued. Forget about having the conversation. They don't even want to hear the critique or ignore the critique. I, you know, I, I get a lot of messages all the time. So do you, Eric. How do you guys deal with it? All the nonsense every day. I'm like, I don't care. I just, I learned. I'm old enough. I, I care about how God views me. I care about how my wife views me, how my children views me, and how my the people I love view me. I don't care about how I'm viewed other than that. The people that love me, they love me regardless of my flaws or my bad takes or my good takes. They love me for who I am, my my ability. And, and you know, so I'm not worried about it. I, I, I post things. I put my thought out. I put them out. I stand behind what I put out. 
and I, I, I tell everybody, post and ghost. Don't worry about it. If, you, if you're going to go out and put your name out there and start talking about it, don't worry about it. And I'm fully, like I said, I stand behind everything I've ever said. And if I, I feel that I was wrong at some point or I had a lack of information or I did something, I said something stupidly, I'll say it. I'm human. These are my thoughts. You know, I mean, and and so I don't think the maturity is there. I think that I think, you know, I think we've exhibited much more maturity than those that are leading the New York City Police Department currently. Um, and I, I understand why. Why they hate this podcast so much, I really do. Because I mean, they've been exposed. Their own, their own weakness and immaturity has exposed them, not us. Well, here's another reason why. You talk about maturity, but I agree with you. He lacks maturity, and there's a connection from maturity to humility. He lacks maturity because he lacks humility. So what it says to me is that Kaz Daughtry has been in a position of leadership, and he's been leading from arrogance. And he's been leading with pride of arrogance, and which is pride is just a complete sin. Now, I like to give this correlation. I myself, I have cauliflowered up ears. I didn't get the cauliflowered ears because I beat everybody up on the mat. I got the cauliflowered ears because I got humbled on the mat. And if you see UFC fighters, some of the, 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 the most elite UFC fighters, these guys are killers out there. They are the most humble men. And women you have ever seen in your life, when they walk through a doorway, if they bump into somebody, they're the kindest people. They're gentle with people. I'm sorry. I apologize. But yet you see men who've never been into a fight in their life. They walk around with these fake lats, fake shoulders, mean face, peacocking around because they've never been into a real fight in their life. They've never been humble. And that's my correlation to Cass Daughtry. He's never been humble. And humility would make him a better person. And he's doing it from a place of arrogance. If he was humbled, if he went through the hard times, if he was a sergeant and had to grind it out, and then if he was a lieutenant and had to grind it out, and a captain had to grind it out, he would be humbled. And he would be leading from a different place, from a good place. And he would be walking to command saying, sir, man, how are you? Are you going to call attention? It's okay. Maybe you see me. But instead, he's going in. And he's got his fake lats and he's barking at the men because he hasn't been humbled. And humility has a straight connection to maturity. I agree with you. It's like it's like me stepping on the jiu-jitsu mat with a black belt, but I've never really trained. I'm still uh, I'm still a yellow belt. I'm still a yellow belt, but I'm, I'm walking around with this black belt and I expect the other black belts to acknowledge me as black belt or everyone. Not even just the other black. Everybody. Everybody acknowledge me as I'm the, as I'm a black belt. I would be humbled so fast. It, it wouldn't even be uh, wouldn't be funny, you know, and, and I think that. So it's a great correlation to why people need to go through the processes right why why the why the butterfly has to pull out of that cocoon and fight through that cocoon to come out and spread their wings why if you cut that cocoon open that butterfly can't fly things of that nature where you have to struggle and the struggle matters but i will say that just regardless of all that if you are humble if you get humility, if you if you if you reflect self-reflection, humility, and you're able to critique yourself and you're able to t listen to the critiques that other people have of you and take it and be introspective and think about these things from a realistic point of view and try to put yourself in the shoes of others. I think you could overcome 
your lack of experience and become a great leader. So I, I don't think that, you know, if I, I, I always said, I think anybody could do anything and excel at it. You know, uh, I, I've seen guys in the squad that weren't great cops and they're great investigators and they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable investigators. They have a great investigative mind, but they weren't technically the best cops. I didn't think they were the best patrol cops. Some of them never even did anti-crime. Some of the ones that did anti-crime weren't that good at it. They weren't good. And but yet they they went into this detective role. However, they got there. Some family, some they knew people that liked them. And, and again, there is always going to be that in the New York City Police Department. And there's going to be that in life. And I've said it before. If I was the police commissioner or if Eric's the police commissioner, we're going to put people around us that we trust. And I, I and I don't I, I don't think anything's wrong with that. I don't. I think it's when it's so egregious that you can't move up. That becomes a problem. Right. That becomes a problem. If you surround yourself with the people that you love and trust, I don't I don't think that's a problem. But if if every decision comes down to that, the overall should be hard work gets you ahead, right? There, there's, there's a pathway for success for everyone. And that's what's lacking today. So I think that leaders could you could could be put thrown upon something into a leadership role or into an investigative role or into an anti-crime role and not have got those experiences, but now be humble enough to learn. Notice who the people are that are better than you at it and learn and become that person. So that's my take on it. Oh, I agree. I think we unpacked a lot here. I mean, ultimately, this question still remains. Your thoughts, we want to hear your thoughts on YouTube. Please leave your comments. Do you think that police officers, police officers should be permitted and have access to release body cam footage without the permission of the police department. Ultimately, this is about transparency. Your thoughts, your comments, we want to hear them on YouTube. Like and subscribe to find us on Filter. Thank you very much for watching 265 Police, police Live. I think we have packed a lot of information here, We're really exposing what's going on with the police department. Our criticism will continue because it's necessary. Opposition meets opportunity. Anyone, if you'd like to come on the podcast, we invite any, all walks of life. You do not have to be from a law enforcement background. If you are, we would love to memorialize your careers, but you do not have to be from a law enforcement background. We're willing to discuss any topics at any time. Just contact us through the website, thefinestunfilter.com. And uh, as always, John, any last, any last words before we go to our friends at Lay Low Blue? I mean, again, I just think I think what what what's transpired these last few days, it's 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 heartbreaking and it's sad to watch at the same time. And uh, just to just to, to piggyback on what Eric said, you know, if you believe that police body worn camera videos should be available, readily available to the public as they happen, please drop it in the comments. If you don't drop it in the comments, let us know. I mean, this is this is what this platform is. Uh, say what you want. Say what you don't want. Don't say anything. Hate it. Like it. Love it. Doesn't matter. God bless everybody. Eric, thank you, my brother. Uh, and like I said, financial freedom. If, you, if, you're in, if you're looking at retiring, if you're retired, you're unhappy with your financial advisor, give our friends a lead Lord Blue, John and Henry, a buzz. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. 
His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE.